want to talk to you this morning, really, about fueling up. My title of my message is Fuel Up, It's Going to Be a Long Journey. Now, I'm not just talking about the red setting journey. I'm not just talking about the COVID journey. I'm talking about our Christian life is a long journey. We are in for a long haul. We are running a marathon. We are not running a 100-meter dash. And some Christians live their lives as if they are running a 100-meter dash. And then you get puffing. And, and if you're anything like me, um, physically I'm not ready, um, it's tough to do a marathon. But I want to encourage you, and I want to talk to you this morning about fueling up, right? It's going to be a long journey. So I want to take you to the parable of the virgin, which I touched on a few um, sermons ago. But Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 to 10. That's Matthew 25, verses 1 to 10. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like the ten bridesmaids, who took their lambs and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish. Five of them were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough oil for their lambs. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. I need you to note that, that the wisdom and foolishness wasn't to do about anything else apart from having enough oil, right? So we continue. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for us all. Go to a shop, buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. I want to look at three things in this parable this morning. And, um, and then I will conclude the message this morning. But firstly, you, if you notice in this parable, the ten virgins had a role to play. What was their role? Their role was to wait for the bridegroom and to be the bearers of light. That was their sole purpose. The sole purpose they existed, right, was to wait there, be ready, and have light in their lamps. They were the bearers of light, right? So it wasn't their personality that was going to take them through. It wasn't how they were dressed as bridegrooms, as bridesmaids. Now, I know weddings these days, the dressing is important, your hairstyle is important, um, how you present yourself is important. Smiles are important. But you know what? On that day, it wasn't the smiles. It wasn't because you couldn't see them smile. It was at night. Right? It didn't matter what they were dressed. Nobody could notice it. It was at night. And so it wasn't even their beauty. The reason they were there was to bear light. They were the bearers of light. Right? John 9, verse 4 to 5, Jesus said this, all right? As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. So we always look at Jesus. We know that in John's gospel, there are seven I am's, and one of it is I am the light of the world. And so we always think of Jesus as the light of the world. And he said, as long as I'm here, as long as I'm walking on earth, I must bear light. So he understood his sole purpose while he was on earth, Right? I am the light of the world. But then he also says in Matthew 
You are the light of the world. Right? Matthew 5, 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I want to say this to you. The sole purpose you exist as a Christian on earth is to be light. That's your sole purpose. That's what you are here waiting for the return of Christ. You need to be bearing light. Right? Um, I, I put it down this way. The sole purpose we exist is to be a light. To be an avenue for someone to see the Father through us. To be an avenue for someone to see the Father through us. The reason the church exists on planet Earth is to be a light. And, and we are called a light on the city, right? Um, I love the, the church next door called themselves um, the lighthouse, all right? Um, and really, in many aspects, the church is a lighthouse. When people get lost in this world, they look to you, they look to me to find their direction. If they are lost, they can only find the Father through us. The sole reason we exist is to bear light. Right? My role as a husband, as a father, as a friend, as a church member, as a pastor, as a member of the community in Tauranga Moana, my sole purpose here is to be light. That somehow, in the way I live my life, I will be a channel for someone to experience God the Father and glorify Him. Listen to this blurb I read about light, just generally about light. The bottom line is, without light, there would be no sight. We are able to see because light from an object can move through space and reach our eyes. Once light reaches our eyes, signals are sent to our brain and our brain deciphers the information. The whole process, as complex as it is, would not be possible if it were not for the presence of light. Without light, there would be no sight. I like that. Without light, there would be no sight. I know we're talking about how the world is getting darker and darker these days. And you say to me, Pastor, isn't that what the Bible says? This, this world is going to get darker. True. But the darker the world is, the, the better for us to shine as lights, the clearer we become. Because if this is our sole purpose to be lights, then as dark as this world may be, we become lights. Because without light, there is no sight. Without light, they cannot see the Father. You and I exist on planet Earth because you are the light of the world. We are meant to shine so that people can see the Father and glorify Him. Second thing we see in this parable is all ten of them fell asleep. So let's not judge it. You know, 
any of them, they all fell asleep, right? Now, um, when the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. The bridegroom was delayed. This is common in the, in the culture of, of, of the wedding. They should have known that they, the bridegroom will be delayed. It was just a common thing that the bridegroom will turn up. But what time the bridegroom turns up, nobody knew, right? That's why they had to wait for the bridegroom. And the bridegroom was delayed. The Bible is full of scriptures to tell us there will be a delay. Every breakthrough, every promise, right, will come. But the Bible warns us about delay, right? Why does the Bible warn us about delay? Because delay leads to drowsiness. We get drowsy. We get spiritually drowsy when there's a delay. When nothing's happening in our lives, when God's not turning up in our lives, when promises don't seem to be come, coming quickly and fast in our lives, then there's a delay. We start getting drowsy. And spiritual drowsiness, of course, leads us to sleep. Spiritual drowsiness, disappointment, that causes drowsiness, discouragement, offenses, hurts, so many things that can cause spiritual drowsiness in our lives. I put it here. Sometimes we're just tired of being nice all the time. And the world is not so nice to us. We are sometimes so tired of turning the other cheek all the time. Tired of being the doormat all the time. Tired of doing the Christian thing all the time. And after a while, we get so tired of shining the light, we become drowsy because there's a delay. Jesus said this in Luke 18.8. When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on earth? That's a very telling concern that Jesus had, isn't it? When the Son of Man returns, Will he find faith on earth? You know what the context of that statement was? It was in the midst of injustice. It was that story he was telling about the widow who was looking for justice and this judge who didn't care about anyone, right? Um, and that is the story behind it. In fact, the full um, text after that story is Luke 18, 6 to 8. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge even if he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? So yes, sometimes injustice that goes on in our lives. Sometimes when wrong things are happening in your life and you know it's not from God, you know it's the wrong thing that's going on in your lives, right? Sometimes you, you get drowsy, tired, tired about the whole thing, right? But Jesus is saying, will you still keep burning bright in spite of that? God will come through for us. That's the promise Jesus is saying. God will come through for us. But the question is, 
will we still have any oil left to keep the light burning? That's the question. Will we still be burning when he returns? The third point, which is actually the most important point in this parable, right, and it's the message behind the parable, is that five of them ran out of oil. Five of them ran out of oil. You see, to have light in your lamp, you must have oil. In other words, when they ran out of oil, their entire purpose of being there, right, was no longer required. If they didn't have light, their presence was no longer required. Think about it. I don't know what was in their preparation plans before they went um, as bridesmaids. Were they looking at their dresses and saying, oh, make sure the dressing is right? Were they spending time with their hair? Well, I don't know what they were doing. Right? Whatever they were doing, they didn't spend enough time making sure they had enough oil for the delay. And I sense in my own life and in the life of all my brothers and sisters in Christ, we don't spend enough time making sure what's going on inside. We are very busy looking after the lamp. But it's the oil that keeps the lamp burning. It's what's inside here that keeps the oil burning. Sometimes we focus so much and as a church, we focus so much on the externals. Get the worship right. Get the songs right. Get the harmony right. Get the melody right. Choose the right songs that encourage us to sing. You know, we focus so much on the building. Get the building right. You know, get, get the building fit for purpose. We focus so much on content of um, our services. You know, and we focus so much on the externals, my friends. Then when we leave on Monday, that's the same thing we do. We focus on the externals, right? How can we have more wealth? Maybe if I had more money, I can change the situation in this land. Maybe if I had more influence and power, I can change the problems that this city is going through. So we think of the externals all the time and forget that the only thing that's important is what's inside. No oil, no light. No oil, no light. And so this morning, my dear friends, as we begin our red zone, I'm challenging us, use this days, these days wisely. Let us fuel up. Let us focus, right, on what's inside. Do you have enough oil to keep your light burning? So I want to share two, two places you can refuel and keep on refueling so that you ensure mm -hmm. that you have enough fuel for your land, right? The first thing is God's word. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet mm -hmm. and a light for my path. You see, why is there a lamp that guides you? Why is there a light for your path, it's God's word. God's word is the, the single most important thing that will keep oil in your land. God's word. 
I want to challenge all of us this morning. This year, set aside time for God's word. Set aside time for God's word. Embark on a reading plan if you don't already have one. Embark on a reading plan on God's word. If you, if you haven't started reading, I, I love the devotionals. Devotionals are wonderful, right? It gets us straight into the word in five minutes. I tell you what, that's not going to fuel you up. You need to read God's word. So I want to challenge you this morning. Do you have a reading plan? If you haven't started a reading plan, plan to read the entire Gospels first. If you have never read the entire Gospels once through, do it this year. If you have already read the Gospels once through, have you read the New Testament once through? Read the entire New Testament. Do it this year. If you have, let me challenge you. Read the entire Bible this year. And there are so many plans for that, right? It'll just take you a half an hour a day and you will read the entire Bible this year. But I tell you what you're doing. You're making a pit stop every time you read the scriptures. You're filling your tank up every time you're reading your scriptures. And I tell you what, doesn't matter how much delay comes, how drowsiness turns up, whether it turns up with sickness in your body, whether it turns up with a sudden diagnosis, whether it turns up because some tragedy has occurred, whether it turns up because someone has rejected you, whether it turns up because you're lonely, whether it turns up somehow because everything negative seems to be pouring out in your life. I tell you what, if you are fueled up, if you have God's word, you'll still be burning bright. So this year, my challenge is set aside time for God's word. I make another challenge in this area. Would you set aside time for studying God's word? I'm going to challenge our ministry leaders. Let's run Bible studies. All right? If you say, I can't make it on a Wednesday, we'll run one on Thursday. We'll run one on Friday. We'll run something so that someone can come and dedicate this year to studying God's word. Fuel up, my friends. Fuel up this year. Set aside time for the reading and study of God's word. The second pit stop I want to talk to you about is fellowship. And I close with this. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Basically, the Hebrews author is challenging us and saying, you cannot do Christian life alone. It's impossible. You have to fuel up through fellowship. You cannot do Christian walk alone. You say, but brother, I connect to God just most wonderfully when I'm alone. I know what you're talking about. I love being alone. I love reading the scriptures alone. I love studying God's word alone. I love my alone time. But I tell you what, you and I cannot fuel up without fellowship. That's the way God has ordained it to be. Right? You cannot do life alone. It's not my father who is in heaven. Excuse me. It's our father. 
There is something about a corporate gathering that connects you to God. Fellowship. 1 John 1, 7 says this. If we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Don't miss this thought John is teaching us. There is a connection between fellowship and being cleansed. There's a connection between fellowship and transformation and change. Change and transformation occurs in the midst of fellowship. John is saying, right, walk in the light and you will have fellowship with one another. Then he says, the next thing that happens when you are walking in the light and fellowshipping with one another, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. You want to know why you're struggling with certain issues in your life? Ask yourself how much time you spend in the midst of brothers and sisters in Christ, being encouraged, being motivated to walk your journey. If you don't have these connections, my friend, you're not fueling up. So this year, let's focus on fellowship because change and transformation occur in the midst of fellowship. One more verse. Again, we go back to John. 1 John 4.20. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? John is saying it's quite easy to think we are spiritually doing well when you're alone. Because you have no, no, no fellowship to challenge you on your integrity of your walk with God. But then when you are with people, when you are with people of the same mindset who have desires to walk the walk with God, your spiritual integrity is always challenged. When we gather together, you, and if there's true fellowship, our spiritual integrity will be challenged. And that's a good thing because you can say all you want. I love God. I love God. John is saying, if you hate your brother, he's asking, how can you love God that you cannot see and not love someone you can see? In other words, they may be, God may be exactly like that person. Would you then hate God? Spiritual integrity can only come through fellowship. So, dear friends, I close with this. I want to recommend two regular pit stops for us this year. Right? Firstly, set aside time for the reading and study of God's Word. Make that your regular pit stop. Secondly, set aside time to gather for fellowship so that true transformation will occur in your lives and my life and so that spiritual integrity can be maintained in your life and my life. So these are the two pit, uh, pit stops I'm encouraging you to take and take it with me. So dear brothers and sisters, fuel up because it's going to be a long journey. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon podcast. For more resources or if you would like to support this ministry, visit us at activefaith.org. Dot and